everybody, I'm Adam Hergenwalther, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in the 200% life, 100% inner world, and 100% outer world. Today, I'm really excited to have two wonderful guests on my show who dive deep into what does the 200% life really mean to them. Both of them, by the way, have extraordinary success on the outer world and have been really focused in having extraordinary success on the inner world. So that's why I'm really excited to listen to, I think you guys will be as well, to how they answer, like, how do you actually dive deep into business and spiritual growth? And how do you maintain that, not just while you're meditating or journaling, but really throughout all of business? And if you love this episode, I think you're really going to love and want to join how to have spiritual growth in business success without meditating on a mountaintop, because that was the first thing that the question that I always went to was like, look, I want to have this big business life. And I don't just mean business life. Like I want to have kids and I want to like go play sports and have fun in these different things. And I think people have this concept around spirituality, which is like, you can't have a business that makes money or you can't drink wine or you can't have Starbucks. You should be in this white robe meditating on a mountaintop. And it was never really for us for that. So Thursday, June 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern, how to have spiritual growth and business success without meditating on a mountaintop. So if you like this conversation, come learn how to do more of that. Thank you for listening. Well, thank you all gentlemen for jumping on with me today. I'm really excited for you guys to share your story about what the 200% life means to you. We started off with, you know, the Business Meets Spirituality podcast and really answering this question in my life 15 or so years ago, which is like, hey, I really want to grow inwardly. I love this. I understand that the majority of my experience that I'm having is an inward experience, but yet at the same time, I don't want to go sit in a cave, right? Like that's never what I wanted to do or sit and, and meditate on a mountaintop. And, and I wanted to build things and I actually wanted to be part of life and not just build in business. Like I wanted to have kids and go on vacations and go camping, you know, experience life that full way. And, and yet maybe it was just me, but up until that point, I had this um, idea, I guess it was a concept that I had created in my head about what a spiritual person's life needed to look like. And I still think there's this, this remnants of people's thinking that, to be a spiritual person, like you can't drink Starbucks or you can't have wine or you shouldn't be wearing a hoodie or you shouldn't be building a business that makes money, right? Like I think there's this concept and I think it's it's funny because Eckhart Tolle has kind of started bringing that out a little bit more because he, he's recently been sharing some of the personal things. Like he's like, I drink Starbucks every day. And the first question I get asked every time I walk into Starbucks is, why are you in Starbucks? And he's like, because I like coffee. And he's like, the other people are like, why do you drink wine? And he's like, I didn't think spirit people drink wine. And he's like, I drink a, like a glass of wine every night. So it's just this, I think there's these myths of like longstanding kind of ideologies of what spiritual people do. But the reality is, is every one of us, right, are, are all spiritual beings where we have a spiritual sense to us. And yet all of us are also playing in this world that's out there. And so we, the, the, the coin phrase that we like to use, which is the 200% life, which is hundred percent inner world. Again, that's your thoughts. That's your emotions. That's your spiritual heart. You don't have to be psychologist or even spiritual, or even use that word to understand. You can feel anger to understand that you can feel jealousy to understand. You can feel enthusiastic. You can feel inspired, right? You can also know pretty easily that there's a voice inside that, likes to just talk in, in just it's incessant chatter and it makes things up. And, 
it can have one view and you can literally read two sentences in a book and then a minute later it completely changes its mind right so it's just this most finical thing that we have inside us that's a mind so that's that whole inner experience and we all know what the outer experience is right that's I call it all the nouns, right? People, places, things. It's like it's like Disneyland, essentially, that's out there for us. So kind of with that intro, Eric, for me, thanks for being on here today. And and I've I've gotten to know you for, I don't know, what is it, like six years now? Yeah. Seven years, it feels for a while from from what it is. And I'm 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 honored to be a partner with you and 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 also just watch your own journey because just like we all have our own journeys, it's been wonderful to watch your journey as well, particularly on that on the inner side and and from both of us wearing suits to, to who we are today and, and, and also the, the service that you show up to do. So let me ask you this question. What does the, the kind of 200% life mean to you? And, and you can kind of break that down and then we'll help in with follow-up questions. Yeah. And I, and I'll try to avoid any of the, I'll try to avoid regurgitating anything that you say and try to put it in my own <laughs> context and words, but I feel like I've, I've spent so much time with you and learned so much about this, this concept of 200% life that I may parrot some of those same things. So I, I think that 200% life for me is, is approaching business and life from the awareness of why I'm choosing to do something. Yeah. Now, I don't know that I always approach it from the best version of myself, probably like, like all of us do, but I think it starts with the, the point of having awareness as to like, what is the underlying cause of what's driving me to take the actions that I take every day, or what's driving me to think the way that I think every day. And I, I kind of go back to the origin of how I, how I arrived at this. And we started working together in 2017, I think it was and I, and I reached out to you because I wanted the, the 100% of the outside life yeah. that you had or the yeah. perception that of all that you accomplished. Yeah. I thought, well, this guy knows something I don't know. And, and it's kind of interesting to think back. That was six years ago and so much has changed. At that yeah. point in time, I approached everything from the standpoint of, of trying to run really fast and just accomplish lots of things so that I could get everything that I wanted from life materially. And then from a validation standpoint, I think what I really wanted was to be validated. Yeah. And when what I've come to realize is validation happens when you choose to validate yourself mm. and then realize you no longer need validation from anything. And that's easier said than done, of course, but that's what 200% life is to me. Yeah. When were you first aware of that voice inside your head? <laughs> I think that probably not consciously aware of it. I think you yeah. always know that you have this yeah. monologue, but I, I don't think that I realized that until we had this conversation and I tell this story that I remember putting the, we had a, we had a 30 minute coaching call and I remember putting my phone on speakerphone seven minutes into this call and recording it on my iPad, the conversation that we had. And it was so difficult for me to understand that, that I was that there was, there was two versions of me, right? There's like the, the, the one who, who listens and then the one who is, there's the voice inside my head. And then there's the, the, the subconscious version of me. And I don't think that, it, I don't think I realized that until I listened to that 23 minute call seven or eight times that I finally grasped it. It seems so difficult to understand, but my wife, for whatever reason, it just clicks with her. Yeah. She just understands spirituality so much better than I do. And I think I probably try to approach it from an intellectual standpoint, yep. which is precisely how you can't arrive to spirituality. 
Yeah. Hallie and I always joke about this because Hallie is, approaches a lot of things from an intellectual standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> and so for a long time, she would, you'd always go to the mind for the answer because that's where you go for the intellect, right? Like to be able yeah. to pull it and the mind can't answer something that it doesn't know, right? It, it can, yeah. it can only talk about the experiences or concepts that it has. It can't, it's like asking water to explain water, right? Like it's very difficult to, to be able to do that. When you, when you're on your journey, is is it all like rainbows and sunshines is it like especially that inward part mm-hmm. of that journey like what did that look like for you in terms of like the real because i think a lot of times in and if you use this word spirituality or personal growth like people think that it's like it's it's just gonna all of a sudden unfold and and it's that like or people use big big words or very buddhist words and people get lost in those concepts of things instead of actually doing the work that is necessary to do the inner inner world. So what does what does that mean to you? What did that work look like for you? I think for me, one of the most cathartic and reflective and effective things I I would do was on a weekly basis, I would I would always do my my like coaching prep sheet, right? Is religiously every week yep. um, I, I would send in my my like homework for the call. And and part of that process of sending in my my homework to have an effective 30-minute conversation was that I had to be reflective on myself. And I had to try to solve as yeah. much as much of my quote problems that I was seeking to solve. I had to try to get it all done into 30-minute conversation. And what I found was that probably the most effective way to solve the problems was to actually just do the reflective writing and journaling. And, and so every week, what I would do is I would go and try to condense it down into like one paragraph, maybe a paragraph and a half, try to make it as succinct as possible. And that process of like writing and revising and writing and revising and trying to get really clear on what I was actually trying to express was actually benefiting me. I thought I was doing it to be effective on a 30 minute coaching call. But what I was really doing was I was bringing awareness to the underlying root of what was causing me to have that disturbance. And, and so I I can remember there some days that I remember some days it bringing me to tears. And then, and, and when you get the awareness as to like what the root behind the, the cause of that is, but, you know, I know we always say that it can be difficult and, and I just kind of think about it. It's like you do the work that is difficult. And then once it's over, it's over. The difficult yeah. portion of it has left. And so we avoid we avoid it. But we often avoid doing that well, hard work or that reflective work, thinking that it will be more more challenging and more difficult or more painful than it really is. Because once the pain happens, then it passes. Yeah. And then you move on from it. That's that's very well said. So what I'm hearing you saying is like some sort of journaling reflection piece for people to kind of start with, but doing the real, not just putting down a few things to make it seem like they can check the box of like, Hey, I put down some self-reflection pieces, really focusing for you, focusing on either a couple sentences or a small paragraph of distilling it down to what are the root cause of kind of my behavior um, of what that looks like. So you can almost take an objective view standpoint of how you're behaving or, or, or how your psyche or ego is essentially behaving. So you can, you can, you can watch those patterns. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to give you some context and so that the listener understands kind of an example of it is I remember having a, having a business challenge and, and thinking about like, why was it, why was it bothering me so much having this one specific challenge? You get challenges in business every day. Why did this one stick out more than others? And, and, you know, as I reflected on it, what I realized was as a child, how I, how I would show up and, and, you know, I have the most amazing parents on the world. So this is not a, not a critique at all. It's just an awareness pieces. My dad is one of the most intelligent people on the planet. And what I learned is to adapt was to always show up prepared and think concentrically because he's an engineer. And so he would think three steps ahead about all the problems that I would bring or ideas that I would have. And so what I learned was to become, I think, somewhat validated by being in, by being intellectual or by by thinking strategically, and and so I had that awareness through journaling that what the real challenge I was facing was I wasn't getting the validation that I sought or that I was used to attaining by by approaching the situation in business the way that I had my entire life, and that was odd. So now I can have the awareness that goes, okay, do, am I doing this to be right? Or am I doing this to be, to do what's right? Right. Am I doing it so that I can win or so that we can win? And, uh, and so, yeah, it just creates that pattern of having awareness after doing that reflective work. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Ed Huck, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank yeah, you. of course. It's been, it's been a, an honor to see and be on this journey with you as well, too, over the past couple of years. And so, I would love for you to kind of answer that first question, which is, and I know you've done a lot of deep inner work kind of leading up coming into Product U, but also a lot of wonderful outer work too, as well, built some very successful businesses too. So what does the 200% life kind of from that inward outwardly mean to you? It's changed, right? It's kind of, it's kind of been this long journey for me. I remember reading books like from Wayne Dyer, or like, you know, reading books from Wayne Dyer yeah. back in the day. And I went to a couple of courses at, at Landmark like yep. 15 years ago that are kind of around this, which is a, it's a coaching company, but actually kind of gets you to really start to digging down into what makes you tick. And they started talking about the voice. I've been hearing the voice. And so I knew about the voice in my head for a long time now. Some years I, I am more aware of not, or more aware of it talking and yes. listening to it. But it's been a fun journey to to just slowly let go and just kind of let this naturally happen of of not trying to force myself to to change, I guess, as it were. Just kind of letting it happen naturally, but just always not being more and more aware. So in the last two years, and then there's some work I was doing before and they joined Project U has really kind of brought the awareness to it. You know, I've read all the Eckhart Tolle stuff, the Michael yeah. Singer. And I think between those in the last couple of years in jumping in full, full bore with, with Project U has really helped me define the difference between the 200 and really kind of put this line, a more clear line between the two yep. so I can start playing in both worlds and recognize yes. when I'm playing in one world versus playing in the other and asking myself the deep questions about like Eric was saying, what is making, what, why do I want to make this decision or buy this car or make this business decision or why, why did I yell at my kids or, or get upset with this business of some, somebody on our team? What's really, what's the real root of that? So it's, it's been, been 
a fun journey, especially in the last, say, two years to, to really start to separate the two. What is a, a model or something that you use to kind of help draw that line that you talk about between the two of like, because sometimes it, you can, we can flirt on this day and age. It's like, and it's inwardly, then it's outwardly. Like, it's like, it, it, am I really just doing outwardly? Like you can, you can get caught up in that mind kind of trying to persuade you one way or another that you're doing that. So what, what works for you in terms of separating those two? But I think two things that have always, we've always, I've heard about for years and never practiced was the journaling piece. And this year, for whatever reason, it just finally clicked. And I really just dove into it awesome. and have been religious about it. Like you said, every morning I just get up and I use like, I, I didn't know what to write about. Yeah. So I used that whole five minute journal questions. What are you grateful for? I want to feel today. But if so, I've got the questions that I, that I kind of run through. And just that 10 to 15 minutes of clearing my mind, I sit in, tend to sit in the same spot every morning when I do it. Yep. It's, it's quiet. Usually the kids aren't up yet, so it can actually have some clarity no. without interruptions. So that's been phenomenal. And then the meditating, which I, I, that was pretty much a game changer for me, yeah. was actually, I will be candid. I don't always do it twice a day. And, but I would, I would almost like, I didn't get a chance to do it yesterday. And I'm like, it's like not working out at this point. Yeah, you're off, right? I don't feel right. And, you know, I was in an event all day yesterday. And, but anyway, the the clarity of it, it's because when you're meditating, all you can get to hear is that little voice, right? So you become super aware of when it's talking. And now I've been able to really slow it down and pay attention to it. And just like Eric said, my big words, we always, my wife and I have been doing this kind of things for years and our, we always pick a word for the year. And this, the word for my year, the word for this year has been awareness. Yeah. And it's just awareness of what's, what's that little voice saying. Well, I love Ed, what you said, you guys have both beautifully and done an amazing job here. We're not done yet, but just giving you guys, you did awesome. One of the things that I heard you talk about earlier was not only just the awareness piece of the, the 200%, but also when you're able to really hear the voice and see it for what it is, it doesn't grab you as much. And what I hear you both kind of saying is when you throw it out as almost like a subject object relationship, it doesn't grab you. Remember, consciousness tends to attach to what you put it towards, whatever is there. So whatever you're looking at, consciousness tends to identify with it. So, and that's what will naturally happen is identification happens with a self-concept. Remember, it's the, the word itself, self-concept should describe to everybody that's not the self. It's not you. It's a concept that you've created. And then what happens is, is since you've created that, the consciousness wants to identify with that. And so literally you, the real self is identified with a concept. So it feels so real, but at the same time, there's always this, this understanding that it could just blow away because it's like building your house on sand that it could just go away in a heartbeat because it can, it's just a concept. And the reality is, is those concepts have changed throughout the course of people's lives. And they're listening to this, whether you're six years old and you wanted to be an army ranger, that was a concept you identified with. And guess what? Like you wore a whole bunch of army gear, right? You had like fake guns going on, right? You just go, you, then you, you're a BMXer bike and you bought a BMX bike and you got all, you wore that apparel and all that stuff. And we still do that with identities. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the point of the 200% life. It's understanding that there is a subject object relationship, meaning that like you can play any role, right? Like if you're going to go play sports, you probably want to dress the part, right? If you want to, for whatever it is, you're going to go skiing, you need proper gear to be able to do that. The, the difference though, is that you who was in there, if you can't allow yourself to attach to it, and I think the journaling each day creates this kind of reset of that's not me. Those are roles that we play. Like I'm, I, I get it that I play a role as a father and that's a wonderful role. And I, I, I love playing that role. I also know that I play a role in the business world. I also know I play a world and as just a brother or, or an individual follower following somebody doing something else, right? Like we, like every, like if you take a course of a week, how many different times did you lead? Did you follow? Did you just observe, right? Different roles that we are. And we, we naturally go back and beyond this, but the, the strongest desire for, for anyone is the need to stay consistent with who you think you are. And that's that consciousness getting identified with the self-concept that you have. And so when you're, when you're thinking about the 200% life, it's, it's fun to play in the outer world, right? To do anything you want to do in there. But the minute you've attached yourself or you've identified your consciousness, which we all forget about the word consciousness. When you've, when you've attached yourself to something, but feels completely different. That's why if you, if you're not in, if you're not, if you're not playing football, then you don't really care about what the football scores are, right? But it, so it's, you're not attached to it because you could care less who makes money over there or how much, how many people score touchdowns or whatnot. But all of a sudden, like if you're in a business setting and your buddy that you've known for a little bit does, you know, 10% better than you next month, it bothers you, right? Like all of a sudden you're there because you've identified with this concept that you're a business owner. And that's the validation piece that Eric was talking about earlier. You can see how they're all linked together there as well. So when you guys hear that, the follow-up with is a question for both of you and you guys can jump in there. What is there anything that you do throughout the day to kind of bring this, this awareness? I know that's your word that you're using, Ed, or or Eric, you use that kind of the word too as well into your everyday life besides journaling or like specifically when you do do something like when you're playing in your roles, like being a father, you both are wonderful fathers, right? Like that's a, that's a challenging role, right? Like it's just the challenge there. Like, how do you bring awareness into that? Like the, the, one of the biggest things when people write to us, they say, well, I get it when I'm meditating, I get it when I'm journaling and I can do there. But the minute I get outside of those things, it's like, I lost my identification for those things. So how would you answer that question? Eric, I don't know if you want to jump in first or Ed, it's up to you guys. So I would think, I think for me, it's like a muscle. I think the way I see it, or at least that that's the way it's kind of evolved for me is because of the journaling, because of the meditation, my mind is just, I've just slowed down. I've just noticed yeah. that this whole last year or so, everything is kind of slowed down for me. I used to kind of rush around, rush around and get this done, get that done, get this done. And I, I wasn't being very present, wasn't very being very attentive to, to what's really happening in that situation. And I think because I related back to the, the meditating and the journaling, I've just, my whole inside mind has, has slowed down. So I am focusing on the action where I'm at. My head's where I'm at. If I'm sitting, so last night I was sitting with my little guy we've got this ritual where I laid with him for just a couple of minutes and I was so, I, I was so present with him and it's probably more present than I've ever been with him. And, you know, I, but I've done this ritual with him. He's not, you know, I've got a nine and 11 year old. 
So, and just kind of hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm really focusing on him. I got a whole bunch of crap I still need to get done for the day. But so I think it's just kind of slowly happening naturally as I'm practicing all these, these other practices. It's just kind of falling into place. I like, I like Ed's perspective of thinking about it like a muscle because it's probably better than how I would have described it, but it, but it makes perfect sense is it, it becomes kind of that habit that you develop that awareness that is like muscle memory. And, and then I think the conversation that I have with myself when I have that level of awareness is probably two of them. And, and one of them is I, I try to think about the idea that like I give myself permission to, to have not been exactly the way I want or the best version of myself because the reality is is that that doesn't really exist right and i try to remind myself that i did the best i could every day and so whatever it was i always wake up every day with the intent to do the best that i can and be the best version of myself and some days that looks more present like ed mentioned than others and and i try to give myself that permission to not be too overly critical of of myself during that reflection period. And, and then secondarily is I try to remind myself the idea of like, why do I want this to be different? And you know, what, like, like, what do you mean by that? Like the moment uh, or yeah, yeah. In the moment. So I give you a good example. So, you know, my amazing, lovely wife and she loves to sleep. Right. And, and I, I share this story that like, that our plan this morning was that they would wake up a little early. She and she and our son Hudson would wake up earlier and they were going to create a little bit more of a quiet free zone so that we could have this podcast conversation. And at 20 minutes before we're, we're going to have this conversation, my son comes down with a Nintendo switch and mom's still asleep. And <laughs> I'm going, Oh my gosh, I thought that we were gonna have this bubble. And yet the reality of it is, is I go back to asking myself that question that goes, well, why do I want this to be different? But the only reason why I'd want it to be different is if I want to bring some identity to, to the conversation, right? And that identity could be that I want to be someone who's consistent. I want to be someone who keeps my word. I want to be someone who's prepared, intentional, all of these different objections and labels that I could put on to myself. What I realize is that's the reason why I would want it to be different is because I want people to perceive me a certain way. Right. And so I have to then go back to the idea that goes, okay, well, it's not different. So now what, right? How do you, how do you accept what it is easier said than done, but it's kind of, that's the model that I go through in my head. It's always asking yourself those questions too. I think that's what I heard you say. And that's what I think as as an exercise, it's, it's been raining here in Cleveland for the last like four days, 40 degrees in rain. It's, it's, it's May. I'm like, we want 70 degree weather, but I just keep asking myself, well, who cares? Why? The weather doesn't care about what I think and why should I care about the weather? It shouldn't, shouldn't impact and should not impact my feelings for the day. And so just always asking myself these, that, that question of why, why do I want this to be this way? It's, it's just going to happen. You just got to let it go. What I, what I hear you kind of to tie the two together too, as well is your, your mind will always try to take the current moment and devalue it and overvalue our future moment. And so you got to be really careful of what it's trying to do there. And the, and the thing is that you have to understand there's never a moment that is not more important than the moment that you're experiencing now, because that is the only moment that you can actually experience. If you're not experiencing the moment now, you're experiencing mind. 
And that's where, and that's where the identification with the mind comes into play. Because what the mind does is it literally will every moment of your life, the the mind will the, the the personal mind, not the analytical mind. The analytical mind is like saying, "How do I do four times four? You use the mind to do that. How do I create a business spreadsheet? How do I read a PL? That's analytical mind. The analytical mind doesn't just jump in and say four times four is eight, right? Oh my god, that's great, right? No, the personal mind is what causes the the suffering, right? The analytical mind is designed for you to build and create and use enthusiasm, communicating the fact that we're on a we're in three different parts of the country and communicating right now. Right. I mean, that's, that's the analytical mind, but the, the personal mind will always devalue the current moment. So it can get you to, to feel as if it can make the future moment better. So you pay attention and identify with it. That's ultimately what it's always doing to us. Cause even when you're in the, some, that's why that many spiritual teachers before us have taught the word being present and it's it's thrown around so much it's hard to say that works. People go, yeah, I'm present. And you go, nah, you're you're most likely people are present with their mind, right? They're present. That's what they're really present with. Because if you're truly present, like you were talking about, Ed, you, you're not you're, you're sure that you can understand there's things, you, responsibilities you have in the future, but you're not devaluing the current moment or trying to rush through the current moment to get through it. And then in this, and from a logical standpoint people have been doing that all their life. And it, the next day is the same situation, right? Like, it's like, I got to get through this, this to find out the next day, I got to get through it again. So it's like, at what point do you wake up and realize that just doesn't work, right? Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. It makes me think when you say the the idea of like the personal mind, I just was thinking it's like the mind that spirals or it's like the version of you that, that spirals, whether it's you're thinking about something that you did in the past. And then that, initial thought spirals to always to the most negative thoughts, right? And, and, and then you think about the future and that, that piece spirals as well. It, it's, it's, it's interesting because what you realize is that it's completely the most unhealthy and, and, and just catastrophic version of yourself. Yeah. However, it's always the one that's spiraling into something almost always negative in the in the past or in the future. And so I think when you have that level of awareness, then it becomes you you bring you bring awareness to yourself that what you're doing is is creating some sort of construct of future that doesn't exist. And that awareness is hopefully the first step to kind of change your your state of presence. Yeah, I love that. I think part of that is too, is when people use their own vocabulary, that's one of the issues with vocabulary. It kind of, it can identify or cut you off to certain things. But before we go down that path, one of the things that's important, this is somebody, when they go, I am angry, people, just a simple technique, it's that you're not angry. The person that is witnessing anger is not angry, right? Anger has its own nature. The wording should be as I am experiencing anger right now. Right. Like that is a, it, but the thing is, it's such a small change, but that's like how, when the rubber meets the road, it's that identification. That's the awareness piece that we're all talking about. You can say, wow, I I'm aware that I'm really jealous right now for my partner holding the door for somebody. It's that's so, I thought I was done with jealousy like 10 years ago. It just showed up all of a sudden. Well, come on up, buddy. Like, right. Like that's the aware, because people want to know like, well, what does the real work mean? That's what it is. It's being able to go. Yeah, I am. It's not about like the other thing with with when people get in the spiritual path, people think that they shouldn't have bad emotions. And it's like that is the furthest thing from from the truth itself. The whole thing about being spiritual, the whole essence of spirituality is understanding that you're witnessing all of that. 
that is the baseline of this. So you're, the, the language that we use with this is, wow, I'm experiencing irritation right now. I'm experiencing frustration right now. And like, I will use that with my kids. It's like, wow, I just got really frustrated when you did that. And it's like, it's not you, that's on me, but I just want to share with you that I just, I got that. And like, I need a moment or whatever that is. Like that is real. So you can do that in the business world as an example. Like I, I was in a meeting, this was a little while ago, but I was in a meeting and I got, I got literally triggered by something that somebody said. And it was, it was kind of one of those moments. And I paused and didn't say anything. And I go, wow, man, I just got really frustrated and angry for something that you said right there. And you guys probably all felt that. Right. And they're like, yeah, we did. But the minute I did that, dropped the, dropped the energy in the room and they go, wow, thanks for, thanks for being able to say it like that. And that's the real work that we can bring in there. And I think that's the awareness piece. That's the, that's what, what journaling helps out for, but that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. That makes me think of like when you have a stain on your shirt and you're like, walk in, you've got this brand new fresh white shirt and you spilled spaghetti on yourself. You're almost just as well off to have brought attention to it. Yeah, it's exactly get, get, right. Get, get that right. like awareness out of the way and then yes. move on. Otherwise you walk into the room and you think about everyone staring at the stain of spaghetti on your shirt and it's bothering you more than it's bothering everyone else. The The funny thing is about that is like, Imagine if you have like something in your teeth and you don't know you have something in your teeth. When you don't know you have something in your teeth, is it bothering you? No. no. So the thing is actually in your teeth. Okay. But it's not bothering you because you don't, there's not an awareness that you're, that it's there. So it's not bothering you. But the minute if you were like, oh, Adam, hey, you got something in your teeth instantaneously, you cannot sit there, right? You would, you would either have to go away. You have to change it. You're, you're all flustered. But yeah. the thing is, it wasn't the actual thing in your teeth that bothered you because a second ago you were sitting there with it in your teeth, not being bothered. So it's not the actual event. It's that it's again, and the best line with what you're just saying right there is it's the moment in front of you is not bothering you. You were bothering yourself about the moment because it was there for five minutes and you were perfectly fine. And the minute somebody mentioned that to you, or you saw that you had it in there, you're no longer fine. So now you're bothering yourself about the moment. It's just a, a great kind of way to set, sync that in there for it. Well, any, Eric and Ed, thanks for, thanks for joining us today and, and kind of Absolutely. sharing your side of this. Yeah. Any, any final or, or words of wisdom or words of 200% life that you'd like to share with, with the friends here? I think it, it's, if I were, if I were kind of to reflect on things and, and give someone a perspective, regardless of where they are in this journey is, I think it, it's, it's a long journey to get to the you know, kind of the the improved self or the personal growth level that we all want to and realizing that it's a lifelong journey. I find in interacting with others and of course myself that a lot of people want to be further along in this spiritual path yeah. than they are. Yeah. And that becomes something that people like have this like shame or criticism of of themselves about and and really just understanding that like everything else in life that for the most part unless you're an Eckhart Tolle and you just yeah. flip this switch overnight that it becomes a lifelong path of progression and um and even even having spent time with you Adam you know personally and professionally is I see that that spirituality is a habit right is it is a way of yep. of of life. We were on vacation and you, you, you bring books from Rumi and I know that you were spending time <laughs> meditating and you were reading and you're, you're maintaining that habit, that muscle to Ed's point. And so just understand that it's, it's intentional and it's time on task over time. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I love it. That's, I think that's very well said in that 
because I just look back at my journey and what, what, how it's unfolded. And sometimes as these curtains get pulled back and I'm like, we have this kind of aha moments. I'm like, why the hell didn't I know that 10 years ago? I've been kind of on this journey. What the heck? I would have loved to know this before. And it's just reminding myself, hey, this just is happening as it's supposed to. And it's maybe not happening sometimes as fast, but especially a lot of us entrepreneurs want us to have a tomorrow. He's just relax and just kind of kind of let it let it let it happen and keep doing all the activities that are helping you uncover this for you. So yeah, love that. I love that. The I, I just gotta make one comment of, of what you what you mentioned right there, Ed, is we get caught, whether you're an entrepreneur or just most human beings that are existing today, we get in this this kind of trap of 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 thinking that. I just need something that happened fast. And like you put all your attention on getting it. But when, let me just ask the question is when have you ever gotten something and then it's been over? It's, ne- it's never over, is it? So it's like, it, it's when that's part of the awareness that when people talk about the word awareness, that is a, you're, you become aware that it doesn't work. It's not wrong. That's why we call it 200% life. It's just not what you're actually looking for. I mean, you can go back. People always do this to like the, the the things that are happening now. But when you were 14 or 15, I bet the only thing that mattered was you getting your license. And if you got your license, it was, didn't matter. Everything was solid. And yes, maybe for a year it was, or two years. But at some point you wake up and you go, eh, it's just a car now, right? It's just a license. It's just those things. And so all of a sudden you wake up and you realize you've been doing this. So whenever you put your attention on something, and then you've gotten it. It's never been the end all. It's almost like the minute you get it, then it's like, okay, what's next? And there's nothing wrong with it. That's why it's really shaped up when goals have a beginning and an end. There's nothing wrong with goals. They keep us on track. They're fun. It's fun to win the game. It's fun to do your best. It's fun to do your best in business. It's fun to get really good as a parent. It's fun to make mistakes, to play sports, all these things. But none of that is actually going to solve the the itch or kind of or or ultimately fulfill you at the level that people are looking for, which is the 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 whole inner practice of what needs to happen. And that's part of the whole clearing. And that's what we really describe in the 200 percent life. So, gentlemen, thank you so much. I honor the the road that you guys are on. I know the difficulty that it, it is, but yet every time that you let go of a part of you that to allow is more of a part of you to shine. You're actually helping way more than just you and you're helping everybody else. So thanks for sharing your insights today. Thanks, Adam. Pleasure. Pleasure. Hey, everybody. Before you go, Helen and I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you.